Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Well, hello there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting across from me, as he typically does, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Got a hot mic here. Hot Mike. Hot, hot Mike. Um, <laughs> I don't know what possessed you to introduce the show that way, but uh, hey, guys. <laughs> I don't know. A little, little bit of a mellow Friday, yeah, I take, guess. Let's take it down a notch. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one of the, <laughs> the thing that we're going to talk about today could be a little slow and, uh, you know, in places for some people, but I think we're going to try to make some sense out of it. Yeah, that's. Try is the operative word here. All right, so we already talked about Facebook and the fact that it was going to hold an IPO, an initial public offering. Yeah, basically they're going to, uh, in the past when we were talking about this, they're going to put out stock so that people can buy shares in the company. And they were actually, to some degree, forced to do so. Right. They reached a certain size for a certain length of time, and, and basically there was a responsibility that they had to take themselves public. Yeah, going from private company to public company. And then uh, in May 2012, they made their initial public offering. and um, Raised <clears throat> billions of dollars. Yeah, it's actually – we should probably talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the IPO goes out and uh, on, on May 17th, 2012, uh, Facebook ends up raising about $16 billion in, in – uh, the first day there. That's, mm-hmm. that's how much they made in their IPO. But the, the interesting, there are several interesting things about this. One is that the, uh, opening price for a share of Facebook stock was $38. Right. Which had actually, from what I understand, been adjusted down slightly from what it was originally going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what happens is, um, don't ask me to explain the stock market to you. Um, but in, in general, what happens is they set sort of a range of prices, what they expect to launch at. Right. And it has to do in part with the, the valuation of the company, what investors think the company is worth. And also what, you know, how the company has been performing recently. Yeah. So that, and that's going to play a really big role in our discussion here. Yeah. I thought it was worth about 15 cents, but they, Shouted me down on that. Right. One, so, so they said know. $38 per share, which by the number of shares that were out, uh, going to be available on this initial public offering would have put the value of Facebook at about $104 billion. So yeah, if you, if you sell it for scrap, that's what they felt like it was going to be worth. Right. Essentially. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a huge, huge amount of money. And in fact, was going to make Facebook, in fact, did make Facebook. The biggest tech IPO in history. Yeah. Not the biggest IPO in history, but the biggest one for a tech company. Yeah. For now. For now. Yeah. The records were made to be broken, right? But the entire thing has kind of spiraled into this semi-scandalous uh, uh, story. Yeah. And scandal depending upon your own perspective because it may very well be that even if things – that you might think unethical happened, if you even if the actions you think are unethical, even if those did happen, it may very well be that those unethical actions are not 
in themselves illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as a caveat for our the conversation that has taken place so far and, and is to come, um, as of the date we're recording this in May 2012, uh, Facebook stock has been uh, out on the market for approximately one week. It yes. was actually – we record on Friday. So it was done the Thursday before – uh, so it's been one week and a day. So um, a lot of this material that we, we, that, that we will be talking about is stuff that came out this week. Right. Um, so and we record the- in advance. So they're they're probably if you're going, what else? Uh, everybody knows about this, you know, and how far it goes. Well, it's maybe that came out after we recorded yeah, this. So but we, we wanted to talk about it because it's it's weird. We're recording it specifically on uh, May twenty fifth, yes. twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. And um, on the closing price of Facebook stock on May 24th was 32.06. Yeah. So it dropped from 38 to 32. And some analysts think that that's not going to be – that's not going to be the end of it. That mm-hmm. in fact, Facebook stock could fall as far down as $22 a share by November. Mm-hmm. Which would be a dramatic, it'd be a 42% decrease yeah. in value, which in, in, in investment terms is what we usually call a bad thing. Yeah. Um, assuming that you're actually buying stock in Facebook, but we'll, we'll talk about some of the other elements here too. So here, here's something. There were several things that were strange about the, the first day of trading for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Thing number one. So Facebook stock trades on, uh, in the U.S. on NASDAQ. The mm-hmm. NASDAQ stock exchange. There are a couple of different stock exchanges. NASDAQ's one of them. Yeah. And then, um, a stock exchange is basically a place where, uh, representatives buy and sell shares of stock. So right. if you work through an investor, uh, and put in an order, the investor will talk to the representatives on the trading floor and they put in the order for you. Um, and the stock prices change in the blink of an eye, sometimes less. Right. So, you know, you, you say, Hey, I want to buy um, let's say it, it IPOs at $38 and you say, well, I'm not going to hit it right away. I want, I want to buy 50 shares of, of Facebook immediately. And then you'll, you'll get it at whatever price it is. Then, um, you might say, oh, well, I, I want it when it hits $40 or less. Then, you know, if it, if it goes up to $42, you've missed your shot until it drops back down. So, uh, the, the, the exchange is where they, they make trades and, and things like that happen. And, and we things should, like that. They make trades happen. On we, the should, we should also mention that in, in, in investing, there are multiple strategies. Oh, yeah. So you've got people who are like, uh, day traders who are looking for the really short term turnaround. Like they, they like high volume, high volatility. That's what, day traders thrive on because they're trying to make lots of money in as little time as possible, which is kind of like betting. It's, yeah. It's like gambling. So you're you're betting that a stock price is going to fall or going to rise in a certain amount of time and you're trying to make money off of that. Then there's the long-term investment where you're thinking, no, I'm buying shares in this because I believe in this company. I believe that this company ultimately is going to uh, to succeed over the next several years. And so this is a true investment in the company and that I will get a return on that investment. Perhaps mm-hmm. I'll actually get paid out returns on my, on my investment. You mean and like dividends. Dividends, exactly. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking just to buy and sell. Yeah. So anyway, uh, on that day, on May 17th, what, what typically happens on a, uh, trading day is that the stock market, uh, the NASDAQ stock exchange begins trading at 9.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. However, Eastern Standard Time. 
Eastern Standard Time. However, for IPOs, for initial public offerings, those trading uh, shares usually don't pick up until an hour after the market opens, mm-hmm. at least. So you usually have about an hour or maybe a little bit longer of grace time between when the market opens and when an IPO actually begins its initial trading. Mm-hmm. So uh, NASDAQ had planned on the Facebook shares starting to uh, to go on uh, – trade on the floor at around 11.05 in the morning. Mm-hmm. But 11 in the morning comes and goes and no shares are being traded. And this already kind of got some potential investors a little worried. Like what is going on? Mm-hmm. And then uh, they finally started to go – uh, started to trade at around 11.30 in the morning. And the reason for the delay, or one of the reasons for the delay, first of all, NASDAQ says the reason for the delay was a technical glitch. But one of the- That's pe- ironic. Yeah. One of the- And there were there were several things that fell out of, over that, and it's still, as of the recording of this podcast, it's still un- unfolding. But uh, one of the possible reasons for the delay is that a lot of significant- number of shares, uh, or rather a significant number of shares, switched what was going to happen <laughs> before trading started. Mm-hmm. So in other words, before trading starts, you usually have sellers who uh, who express an interest in selling a certain amount of stock and mm-hmm. buyers who say they want to buy a certain amount of stock and NASDAQ goes and tries to match up the buyers with the sellers right? so that it smoothly begins as soon as the trading opens. Yeah, because there are a certain number of shares of stock. It right. doesn't continually just make new shares. Right. You, you, I mean, there's, there's, you know, because there's a, a limit to the number, you, if you can't have more shares being bought than sold. Right. Uh, but you can have more shares sold than bought. That's true. As that's what turned out to be the case. What happened was a lot more of the uh, initial investors in Facebook seemed to want to sell shares than had originally been um, been planned for. Yeah. So, so in other words, a lot of companies, really, banks, things like that, that had a significant interest in Facebook wanted to dump that stock faster than what NASDAQ had uh, planned for because something had changed before trading began. Yeah, and it's important to note, too, that you may say, well, if they didn't trade until 1130, how did they get that? Well, um, in the cases of of IPOs like this, um, people who are involved in the company, say co-founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg, uh, people who are involved with the company have a certain amount of stock. That they are granted as a, you know, hey, you have a thousand shares of stock for working for us. As soon as it starts trading, you will be given the option to, uh, you know, to have that stock, to own that stock. Right. They're, they're reserved for you. So these investors already have a certain part of the company. And so they are granted an equivalent amount of, you know, stock that as soon as the stock market starts trading, they can sell that if they want to. Yes. So they didn't have to go at 1130, buy it and then sell it again. Right. So just if you were wondering where that came from, so they already had a, a share. Within the first 30 seconds of trading, 80 million shares changed hands. Wow. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of shares. And then, uh, there were several other problems that pro- cropped up, um, after this technical glitch thing. Uh, one of them was that some traders were reporting that they were getting delays when they were putting in orders. Mm-hmm. 
So they weren't really sure if the shares that they had had transferred over or if they were buying a share, they weren't really sure whether or not they possessed it at this point because they were getting delays in the system. And on top of that, um, there were other issues, uh, not just not just the delays, but that traders were saying that they were getting charged a higher price than what they had expected based upon when they made their purchase. Mm-hmm. These are both really bad things yeah. in general. Now, the real scandal surrounding the, the Facebook IPO doesn't really involve that. I mean, that's a problem, but that's yeah. a NASDAQ problem, not necessarily a Facebook problem. Right. The scandal is about why these initial investors started to sell off shares or large companies that had the opportunity to buy up shares, why they did not rush into the market. And it's the the difference between how a company like Facebook treats these major investors versus the average investor. Mm-hmm. So let's – to, to really explain this, it will be helpful to kind of make an analogy. Let's say that Chris is a fat cat banker who runs Fat Cat Banking Limited. Then why am I sitting here? I don't know. And then I am Average Joe, the investor for Facebook. I just want I want to buy a share of Facebook. Well, what seems to have happened, and this is all alleged at this point. Yes. Because as of the recording of this podcast, there has not been an investigation uh, and there's only been sort of some vague accusations. So I want to say that what appears to have happened based upon the allegations, what appears to have happened is that Facebook took a look at its uh, last quarter results and they did not perform up to the expectations of the company, mm-hmm. which means that Facebook was not making as much money as it had wanted to and this is something that affects the investment community because, again, the value of a company in part is about how well it's doing in the marketplace. Right. The Once you become public under uh, – well, you're, you're governed by the laws of wherever the stock exchange is. So yes. under American law, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, require uh, that you as a public company – file documents with them, letting them know what's going on. And that information is public knowledge. So you have to say, look, I think we're going to sell more stuff than we've ever sold before. Or, you know, last quarter, half of our customers ditched us and went to another provider. You have to let them know that. You have to divulge the information. So, yeah. And so this is the thing. They had, you know, being private, you can keep all of that to yourself because you don't have to worry about the the investor, but um, in this case, the the federal government was you know requiring them to to make this information public. Um, and what happens in this case too is that they, uh, the the uh, bigwigs in the company are uh, responsible for going out on what they call a roadshow. So they have to go out and speak to investors and tell them about the health of the company, about what they expect going forward, about their performance in the past, and all sorts of little details. Mark Zuckerberg, ha- but Mark Zuckerberg has a mole on his left, you know, temple, and that means that we're going to be more profitable. You know, all, yeah, all sorts of little details, not those kind of details. Think, but, think of it like a high rolling ad campaign. Yeah. This is why you should invest in us. We we really think we're going to grow. This is what the forecast indicates and but that information has to be made public under this law. So, here's the thing. Apparently, according to the allegations, 
some person in the know in Facebook went to some of the largest uh, banks that were part of handling this whole IPO yeah. system. Uh, so Morgan Stanley being chief among them. Yes. The and went, EPO. <laughs> went to went to these banks and said that the last quarter's financial results were poorer than expected. And that would, in fact, affect the value of the company somewhat. Which meant that these, these large institutions had enough information to know, hey, maybe we shouldn't buy up a whole bunch of Facebook stock because it could be overvalued. That $38 per share may not really reflect the value of the company based upon these last quarter results. But Facebook did not divulge that information to the average investor. So in other words, Chris gets a phone call and he gets a verbal message on that phone call that says, we didn't do as well as we thought we were going to do last quarter. Uh, that's probably going to affect the share price. And I thought you should know. I do not get a phone call as, mm-hmm. as average, uh, investor, you know, average Joe, the, the American investor. I don't get a phone call. So when the stock goes on the floor and it opens up for trading, I jump out and I buy it at $38 a share. Meanwhile, the multi-billion dollar uh, bank industry does not jump in because they already has the foreknowledge knowing that that price does not truly reflect the value of the company as it stands based upon those last quarter results. The stock price for Facebook fell as low as down to $31. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, as of the recording of this, it's currently at $32 and, and, um, and like six cents. Uh, which is significantly lower than $38 per share. So people, the average investors were hurt by this. You know, they went out and they bought it at full price thinking that that was a valid valuation for the company. It was approved. It was ready to go and everything's cool. Meanwhile, all these companies that were in the know adjusted their figures for what Facebook's, uh, um, results would be and what their projected results would be in the future. And did not jump into it. So that caused a lot of people to cry foul, mm-hmm. saying, this isn't fair. Facebook let these big companies know, these big banks mainly know, mm-hmm. financial institutions know that things were not quite as they seemed. But they didn't let us know. And as a result, we've lost money uh, while we were trading in good faith. And uh, here's the thing. Facebook was allowed, an IPO is allowed to give verbal information like that to major investors. That there's nothing wrong with that as the law stands in the United States. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing that requires Facebook to make that same statement in any other format to anyone else besides those investors. Mm -hmm. So based on a strict legal definition on that approach, it's – you know, Facebook, quote unquote, did nothing wrong. Now, right. wrong and ethical, like wrong in the eyes of the law and wrong in the eyes of ethics are two different things. Yes. You know, a law does not have to necessarily be ethical. Just because it's just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Just like breaking certain laws may not break ethics. <laughs> not that you should break the law. Obey the law, kids. So go to school. This has uh inspired several investors to get together and uh, sue Facebook 
yes, as a there, result. There are more than one lawsuit now, class yeah. action lawsuits. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, a a law the lawsuit was filed in the US District Court in Manhattan. Uh, and uh, it's essentially saying that Facebook told analysts uh, at its underwriters, which were those financial institutions, to materially lower their revenue forecasts for 2012. Mm-hmm. So that you know that's the sa- essentially saying the company's not going to make as much money in 2012 as we originally thought we were going to, and that without letting that information go out to the public, it was running kind of a, a shell game mm-hmm. and distracting us while letting us buy uh, shares, us being the average Joe American, um, buy shares at full price. Yeah. I want to correct something I said. Um, they're looking – they're hoping to make it class action. They uh, haven't okay. yet as okay. far as I – As of the, the recording mind, of this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and apologies. also at the same time, the Massachusetts Security Division has subpoenaed Morgan Stanley – uh, about the communications with the clients about this, um, these adjusted forecasts. So really the train of events is that if these allegations are true, if the allegations are true, what happened is Facebook executive goes and tells financial institutions, including Morgan Stanley, our forecasts for Facebook's revenues in 2012 are off. We're not going to make them. We're not going to make that much money. Right. Morgan Stanley then goes and tells major investors that are customers for Morgan Stanley, hey, Facebook's not going to make its numbers this year. The price that we're being quoted is probably not indicative of its actual value. You may not want to invest. Right. And meanwhile, everyone else on the street is trying to get that $38 share thinking that Facebook shares are going to go through the roof. Right. Now, that sums up the – Big scandal. There's some other things that I think would be interesting to talk about that relate to Facebook going public and Facebook, the way Facebook generates revenue and some of the challenges that the company faces. So let's say that the company weathers the storm. Okay. And whether or not it means that they have to do a settlement out of court or they win, whatever, they get through this. Mm-hmm. So this is a particularly rocky IPO, but it was also a very large one and there were other mitigating factors that kind right. of confused it. So they get through that. Where do they go from here? That's actually a really interesting question because Facebook, according to uh, – uh, to an article I read, uh, Facebook makes uh, around 82% of its revenue from web advertising. Yeah. So the majority of money coming into Facebook comes in through web advertising. That's, uh, that's both a good and a bad thing. It's good in the sense that Facebook has a, a, an enormous customer base or enormous user base, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, 900 million users. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Just under a billion people. Probably going to hit more than a billion before the end of 2012. Yeah. So you've got just under a billion people using your service. That's a lot of eyeballs that get to see these these ads. Mm-hmm. However, the value of web advertising as a whole is in decline. And particularly on Facebook, where Facebook has tons of information about user behavior. Yeah. On Facebook. And not that many Facebook users are actually visiting the ads that are served up on their pages. Yep. Which is a another one of those indicators that people actually were saying in the, the days before, immediately before the uh, initial public offering that mm-hmm. wouldn't matter that much. But in hindsight, it kind of 
was a a small flag. Uh, General Motors, the uh, American automaker, had decided to pull its advertising from Facebook, saying it wasn't particularly effective. Right. Um, that didn't really seem to dampen enthusiasm for the stock by itself, but it could have been an indicator that something is wrong. And you know, I mean, they they they're one of the biggest companies in the world, even after the uh, what some people are calling the Great Recession. Yeah. Um, you know that that's if they don't believe that advertising on Facebook is going to be effective, then you know that that is a sign to investors that hey, they may not be able to make their money now. They were only one very large company to have done that immediately preceding the IPO, but you know it's it's one of those pieces that in again in in hindsight, looking back on it, you might have said, you know that that was a little bit of an omen. Yeah, and something might be wrong. The other element to this is that uh, the way Facebook is currently trying to to uh, to balance out the fact that web ad value is decreasing is by adding more users, Mm -hmm. and so that becomes a, a race, right? You're trying to add more more pairs of eyeballs to your service so that the decreasing uh, value of the web ads is offset by the number of people who are looking at it. Yeah. So in other words, if you can, if you can add more people, you make it up in volume as they all, as the old joke goes. Right. If you can add more people looking at this stuff, then even though the value per ad is, or, or ad impression is dropping, mm-hmm. you've got more impressions, you're balancing it out. But you can only keep that game up for so long. Right. So there's some serious questions about what is the long-term health for Facebook? Because if the ad value continues to drop or even if it plateaus at a really low level, how can Facebook continue to grow in revenue, grow as a company? A lot of companies' um, uh, success is measured in how much it grows year over year. Yeah. Now, if you have a company that has got a good sustainable business and is making a steady profit year over year, that's fine. But the value of the company doesn't increase. Right. It just stays steady. And a lot of the, a lot of the key psychology and investment is that you want your investment to grow over time. You want it to increase in value. Um, you may not care for the idea of just being paid out dividends over a long period of time. You want to be able to see that that $38 share you bought is now valued at $50. So the, uh, uh, the problem is that if this web ad value continues to decrease or even if it plateaus at a low level, then what does Facebook do in order to create more revenue, create growth, and actually succeed as a public company? And frankly, we don't have an answer for that. Really what needs to happen is some sort of innovative approach to generate new avenues of revenue into Facebook so that um, they can uh, they can they can continue to grow. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue is also that there is now this move toward mobile platforms. Yes. Which has been happening over the last couple of years, but really seriously picked up, I'd say, since the iPad came out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the iPhone definitely launched it. And you know, really, Apple is responsible for this move more than any other company, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the only one responsible, but is, is chiefly responsible. Well, you now have this, this area where mobile, the mobile experience is really important. And Facebook, 
is really not doing so well uh, delivering mobile ads. It's it's even it's it's less uh, effective than the web browsing ads are. Well, that's a serious problem because if user behavior is moving toward a mobile platform, and you are not able to take advantage of that, and meanwhile your established platform where you are doing better is starting to lose eyeballs because mm-hmm. everyone's looking at it on their phone or tablet instead, you're really you're really at a losing proposition there. Yeah, uh, and in fact. Um, Depending upon who you ask, this could mean a serious fallout, not just for Facebook, but for other companies as well, because so many web-based companies are dependent upon web advertising. If it falls through for Facebook, it could become a domino effect and fall through for a lot of other sites. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that the entire web disappears overnight or that companies go belly up, but it does mean that uh, – that it would be a pretty nasty shakeup for a lot of a lot of companies out there, and they would have to find new ways to generate revenue that would still um, encourage users to to continue coming to their their site. For example, let's say that you were running a a web video company, okay, and you generate web video and you show it online and you make money through video ads that are placed before your role, so pre-roll ads, mm-hmm. or perhaps. Advertising that's around the, that's, that's on the same page as wherever your videos are hosted. And that's how you make money through those ad impressions. And let's say that the value of the ads just drops through the floor to the point where there's no way you can make back the money that it costs for you to produce that content mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. through advertising. If you don't come up with another way to get people to come in, then your company folds if you're small enough. You know, if, if you're a large company, then you might be able to weather that for a while and coast until you can figure out something else. But the only real alternative most of these companies have right now is to go to the subscription-based plan mm-hmm. where you have users pay for either a per instance or per unit of time to get access to your content. And frankly – only a small percentage of content companies out there, I think, are capable of doing that and maintaining uh, uh, sustainability. Yeah. Because a lot of companies out there, even if they're creating great content, it's so hard to convince an internet-based audience to pay out of pocket for that content. It's not impossible, but it's really challenging because we're so used to getting content for what appears to be for free. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a, a social model, really, that goes back to the earlier days uh, of the internet, and and it just sort of has been. And despite despite people's you know valuation of uh, subscription to something based on whatever it is that they're paying for it, um, people still believe to some degree that information should be free. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like, well, I'm not I'm not going to pay for that. It's you know the app economy. I'll pay. Four dollars for, you know, a magazine, but I'm not going to go pay for an online subscription to that magazine because you know it's not worth it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so we'll see if Facebook is able to uh, to one get through this scandal mm-hmm. uh, without too much more trouble. Hey, this is not the smoothest IPO I've ever seen. No, um, no. And then two, if they're able to either. Create a more effective web advertising experience so that way it reverses this trend where ads values are dropping mm-hmm. or if it comes up with a new way to generate revenue that is still uh, 
uh, not just effective, but it doesn't turn users away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a big question, and in, in fact, you know, I I certainly don't have the answer. I mean, there are people way smarter than I am who have dedicated years and years and years of study and experience to examining these sort of problems and coming up with potential solutions. And frankly, I mean, uh, my hat is off to them because I honestly can't fathom it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, it it didn't happen. It didn't help things much that uh, Mark Zuckerberg sold. Uh, more than a billion dollars worth of stock early on. Yeah, that, that uh, doesn't look to, good. Apparently to pay his taxes, and boy, am I glad I'm not in his tax bracket. Yeah. Um, also, he's got to pay money on that for taxes. Does he? I'm, I'm sure he'll find that out. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, wait. I need to sell. I need to sell 1.2 billion dollars worth of stock so I can pay my taxes and the tax on the stock. Yes. Uh, also, Morgan Stanley was talking about the possibility of adjusting the IPO price after the fact, giving refunds in yes. essence for to to make the price more fair. Right. That I did. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I did see that this morning that Morgan Stanley was talking about us uh, offsetting that so that the investors who went out and bought Facebook at $38 a share might be compensated somewhat in the difference yeah. of the value of what the share was when it hit the floor and what it was in. You know, real world terms. Yeah. Now, if that happened, if they bought stock on, say, you know, Tuesday after the IPO, that that's that doesn't count. Yeah, we're talking about but like the, opening, the actual. Yeah, the opening of trading. Opening. Um, I should also say before we wrap this up. So uh, we started recording this podcast just as trading was beginning, mm-hmm. and the Nasdaq actually a little bit after trading had begun. Uh, and since I've had the stock price up the whole time, uh, since we've done that, it has. Uh, it started off at thirty two point oh six, I believe. This it, morning, yeah. Okay, that's what that's what I think I said at the beginning of this podcast. It was definitely over thirty two dollars. It is currently standing at thirty one point seven six, so it's down almost well three point eight percent. Yeah, that's uh, but that's just in the duration of a podcast. You, you should keep in mind that stocks fluctuate. Wildly, sometimes, and it's also dependent on other stuff going on. Yeah, it could um, be. It could be at the end of this the day. It could be that it ends up being up a dollar. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's there's nothing to indicate in that you know a four percent drop or a three point eight percent drop in the duration of a podcast means nothing. And uh, well, I mean, just just as an instance, uh, people have said that Facebook's stock price has directly affected Zynga's stock price. Zynga being the uh, games developer that, that hosts a lot of its social games on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and now on Zynga.com that is tied to Facebook using Facebook's uh, login and, and uh, credits system to pay for in-game enhancements and stuff like that. Um, Zynga had its IPO earlier this year um, and it was somewhat disappointing in some people's eyes. But um, the Facebook fallout has also affected Zynga's stock price. Um, so – Anything, I mean, all sorts of things will happen that will affect it. World news may affect the stock exchange. Um, something that happens in this sector, uh, like a computer manufacturer deciding not to make a particular product line might affect everyone else's. Their stock may go up or it may go down because they say, well, if, if they're going to stop making them, then the whole market is. And, you know, these guys also, you know, it, it's all intertwined the and way, there's all sorts of weird stuff that goes into the it. The way one trader happens to approach the <laughs> yeah it can get yeah, the, typing an extra zero when they're placing a sell order yeah there's some sometimes billion sometimes, sometimes things that seem um 
kind of ridiculous can affect it. I mean, like to the point where you're like, I can't see an obvious connection or that's just purely psychological. But hey, that's how we humans work. And a lot of it is speculation. Yep. So... All right. Well, I speculate we have run out of things to say on this topic. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. Um, speculation confirmed. All right. <laughs> so, guys, if you have any suggestions or requests for topics that you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please get in contact with us. You can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can go and send us an email. That address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you